Hello and welcome to your guide to the good stuff. I'm your host, Jim Graber. Life is too short not to enjoy every moment of it, so we're going to share with you the tips, tricks, tools, and strategies to help make your day-to-day life easier and more enjoyable. Plus, we're going to help you create those special moments, the ones that lead to lifetime memories, all without breaking the bank, because you deserve it. Hello and welcome to today's episode, The Power of the Right Tool. When I was younger, the most important concern was saving money, so I did a lot of projects and repairs using the few tools that I had. Sometimes I knew there was a tool to make the job easier but could not afford it, and other times I had no idea there was something made to help. I always got the job done, but it cost me lots of extra time. That was especially true if it was something that had to be done right away, like a car repair to get to work the next day, or to have running water in the house. You could be up all night long trying to get something done. It didn't take me long to understand that time is your most valuable asset. It's the one thing you cannot create more of. So today, I want to share with you a tool that has saved me a bunch of time. The outside of our house is all brick, so if you want to attach anything, you need a concrete drill bit and some tap cons. I typically buy a box that comes with the correct size bit, but I found those bits wear out fairly quickly, and they would quit drilling long before the box of tap cons were exhausted. Then one year, Ryobi put a half-inch battery-powered hammer drill on sale, so of course I had to get it. It was amazing how fast I could drill a hole for a tap con. So then I invested in a nice set of concrete bits from eighth inch all the way up to quarter inch. The new bits combined with the hammer action made short work and the bits lasted. I had a half inch concrete bit I used to install some concrete anchors with a regular half inch electric drill in the past, but it was a pain. I was building a heavy-duty wood deck three feet wide to be used as a shelf in my garage that would have eight foot of clearance under it. I put the 4x4 post in bases and anchored them to the concrete floor. The Ryobi hammer drill was crazy fast compared to the normal drill I'd used before, and I could easily drill four holes in the time it took me to do just one before. Plus, the holes were straighter and more dimensionally correct. With the normal drill, the bit would tend to walk a little bit, and the top of the hole was bigger than the rest of the hole. I was super pleased with the results, and I wished I'd bought a hammer drill much sooner. Now fast forward a few years, and my youngest son bought a house. It was built in the late 50s, and the foundation is all cinder block. Unlike many of the houses in our area, the foundation was perfect. We have a lot of clay here, which plays havoc on concrete basement walls. This one didn't have a single crack in it. The garage and laundry room are a half a story lower than the main floor of the living room and kitchen, and the ground is graded appropriately so you can drive in the garage, walk up a set of steps, and go into the living room. Then the bedrooms are over the garage and a half story higher up than the main floor. The laundry room is fairly large, large enough for a washer and dryer plus an HVAC system. There's plenty of shelving plus room for a freezer. But the original location of the washer and dryer had me shaking my head. The setup had the dryer vent running over 20 feet under the living room with a couple 90 degree elbows in it to alter where it came out on the side of the house by another 10 feet or so. Now you should always clean out the lint trap in the dryer between loads, but some lint always gets by. So I want to discuss two concepts here that apply to water in a pipe as well as airflow in a tube and possibly the plumbing example will be easier to visualize. 
One concept is called friction loss and the other deals with the suspended solids. As water or air moves through a pipe, they're rubbing on the sidewalls of that pipe or tube. That creates friction which slows down the flow of the water or air. Enough friction or resistance can build up to stop the flow in the pipe. When selecting a pump, for example, the friction loss calculation always has to be factored in. I don't want to get into the details, but pipe diameter, flow rate, viscosity, and other such conditions have to be factored in. Just know the longer the pipe, the more friction there can be in the pipe, and the slower the flow will be. Suspended solids is also a factor. If you have a solid in the water or air, you have to factor that in. One common example is for sewer lines. If the water flows too fast, it will actually outrun the solids and leave them behind in the bottom of the pipe. Then they, of course, build up to create a blockage. The other problem is if the water is not moving fast enough, the solids will settle to the bottom by gravity and again create a blockage. In the case of a dryer vent, the same rules apply. The, ma the maximum length of a dryer vent is supposed to be 35 feet, and you can subtract 5 feet for every elbow. So in this case, 25 feet would have been the maximum you should have. And his was just about over the line. It was at least smooth-walled tube. I've seen mistakes made with that before. But the challenge is that with the slower-moving air, because of the length of pipe, lint was falling out in suspension. The lint is typically moist and will stick to the entire diameter of the vent tube. As the pipe opening gets smaller, the friction goes up and more lint builds up. Imagine you're drinking from a large diameter straw and then you switch to a tiny straw. It takes a lot more force to use the smaller straw. So the net result in this case is lint was building up in the line and this is a fire hazard. When the lint is dry, it burns easily. I've seen some people take their lint and use it to start a fire in the fireplace. The dryer, of course, is very hot. And the line in this house, of course, was loaded with lint. Had it caught fire, it would have burned into the floor of the living room and entryway. And by the time the smoke hit our detector, there would have been a full-on fire. So the last part of my public service rant on dryers is the flexible tube supplied to connect the dryer to the dryer vent is ribbed and this serves a couple purposes. Number one, it's easy to bend around and maneuver for hookup between the dryer and the vent pipe. Second, those ribs trap lint where it's much easier to clean out so it should never get to the dryer vent pipe. You should inspect that hose annually and if your dryer seems to be taking longer and longer to dry, that hose is a first place to check for excess lint. Also look in the vent line for lint that builds up. As I mentioned before, the smaller the diameter of the tube, the more friction loss. The dryer is only putting out a certain amount of air pressure or force, so the airflow goes down, less airflow across the clothes, longer dry times. Our solution was to move the washer and dryer so the dryer was by an outside wall. And as I mentioned before, the basement walls were cinder block, and on the outside of the, of the cinder block was brick. They used brick on the bottom half of the basement wall on the outside. So I got a 4 and an eighth inch concrete hole saw to put a new hole in the wall for the dryer vent to run. By the way, the actual vent line should be smooth metal wall tube, as I mentioned before. But given how well my half-inch Ryobi hammer drill had been doing, I started with it. It really was working hard. The progress was agonizingly slow, and I was having to stop to let the drill cool down. 
it got too hot to hold. And then when I could finally smell that hot, smoky, electric motor smell like it was starting to burn up, I knew the Ryobi was done. I didn't use it for that job anymore. Luckily, it survived, and I can still use it for the smaller bits. Obviously, that bit was much too big for a half-inch battery-powered hammer drill. So I switched over to a heavy-duty half-inch electric drill I have. Now, cinder blocks from the 50s are no joke. It still took forever to get through the block, and it took several breaks with the drill to let it cool off even at that. Then I got to the brick. Now, I have no idea what they made bricks out of in the 50s, but it took longer to get through that two and a half inches of brick than it did the entire cinder block. I thought I was going to burn up that electric drill, but with lots of time and patience, I got it done. I knew if I ever had to do a hole that big again, I'd need a different drill. The opportunity presented itself a few years later. My 30 by 50 pole barn has five inch reinforced concrete floors. I've always planned to put a car lift in there and the manufacturer recommended a minimum of four inch thick floors for the lift. I felt a lot more comfortable with five inch concrete floors and the more time I spent in the pole barn, the more I wished I had a bathroom. So I had a Dirtworks guy put in a four inch sewer line for me that connected up to the one running out of the house. He of course had all the equipment to make sure the drop in the line was right so everything stayed suspended in the water if you know what I mean. But it was going to be my job to drill the holes in the concrete floor and install the inside plumbing. I knew there was no way I was going to use that same concrete hole saw and electric drill this time. I needed a four and an eighth inch hole saw for the toilet and a two and a half inch hole for the sink drain. After some research, I ended up buying a Milwaukee inch and nine sixteenths SDS Max Rotary Hammer Drill. Now this is a powerful tool and it weighs just under 23 pounds. Then I went ahead and bought the corresponding one-piece hammer drill hole saws from Milwaukee, the SDSs. I got it all from Home Depot and of course, given the price, everything's locked up. But I cannot even describe how fantastically this worked. It was like I was drilling a hole in wood. The two and a half inch hole saw got into some rebar and it briefly slowed down the drill, but the tips are carbide steel and they're designed to drill through steel rebar as well as concrete. I was blown away. It took minutes to do the job. I was prepared for an hour long or more ordeal even with the new tool. And after I got the hole cut for the dryer vent, I was tired and frustrated. I didn't want anything more to do with concrete holes. But after using this Milwaukee hammer drill and putting the plumbing holes in the floor of my pole barn, I was ready to go drill more holes. It was actually kind of fun. And I know with adult children and me always dreaming up some new project, I have no doubt I'm going to use this drill again. I put a link on the blog on the website, and if you've signed up for your emails, it'll show up in your email. It's no extra cost to you if you use the link, and we can get a paid a commission if you use it. But if you've got concrete holes to put in, I can't recommend a hammer drill highly enough. And if you've got bigger holes, that Milwaukee makes the job absolutely simple. We're always interested to hear what you think. Please go to our website, yourguidetothegoodstuff.com, and leave us feedback. That's Y-O-U-R, guidetothegoodstuff.com. You can also reach out at our email, yourguidetothegoodstuff at gmail.com. New episodes are released every Monday and can be found wherever you get your podcast. 
As an added benefit, if you sign up for our email, you will receive a synopsis of what Monday's episode is about on the Sunday before. Plus, you'll get any links we share and behind-the-scenes photos delivered to your email on the Monday after the episode is released. In the meantime, have a fantastic week, and as my friend would always say, Arrivederci.